It was really a pleasure talking to you, David. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, the work you do inspires us all. So uh, keep up the awesome work. And thank you for sharing your time with us and sharing your stories. Like always, I'd like to thank everybody who listens to the show. Uh, much appreciated. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take the time to subscribe to the podcast. That helps out a lot. If you could also take the time to just click on that share button and share it with friends, share it on your social media, that is huge for us. Any any way we can get it out to more people uh, is the best way you can help us. You know, there's all the other stuff, but really our whole goal is to build community. So if you can share it with anybody who you think might enjoy the show, please do it. And that that would be a huge help to us. Feel free to reach out on the social medias and uh, and follow and subscribe. Uh, it's always great to hear from you. And with that, we'll take care of some business and we'll get right to it. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast and will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. Canopy Watch has helped create a community that helps us understand the forest above the forest, all while helping build confidence through experience and give scientists the tools and connections that empower the next generation to move the science of the canopy forward. On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, we are joined by a scientist, a teacher, and a friend of the show on Confidence, Connections, and David Anderson. All right, we're back with another episode. All right, this time we got a return guest. Uh, David Anderson's come on. He's been on a couple adventures since we talked to him last, so I look forward to uh, hearing about that. But before we get too far into it, I'm Andrew. I'm Jamie. I'm Eric. And I'm Corey. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see some familiar faces. Greetings from Boise, Idaho. Yeah, good to see you. Nice to see you as well. Likewise. So, uh you were you were just telling me about how you're pulling pulling your harness out your bag today and how that the feeling of uh how you change as a person you want to get into that a little bit yeah i there's got to be a lot of people listening to this that agree with that you know i i work at a desk a lot spend a lot of time indoors do whatever i'm doing daily life going to the grocery store whatever i get out to a tree and i pull that harness out of the backpack and it's an instant mood changer and I, you know, I pull it up over my legs and I clip that belt, uh, the, the belt buckle, uh, on the harness and it's right. Then it's a good day. Whatever happened before that doesn't matter. Whatever's going to happen tomorrow. doesn't matter right now. It's a good day. I get up into a tree. I'm on a rope. Everything just goes into this perspective of life is good. I love it. It's just, it's a great way. It's a great automatic. It's almost like a drug. You know, if you could bottle that feeling, we could sell that for a lot. Just that <laughs> all I got to do is take out my harness and life is good yeah. <laughs> yeah i was uh yesterday i was climbing well i started the day working the ground i think Corey, were you in the tree or you were in the boom i was in the boom yep. yep and and it was like all right well i you know if i jump up into the middle i can get some of the dead wood out and it, it was the exact same thing as soon as i got the harness out and started climbing it was a total mood change and i was going up into a pin oak so if you can go up into a, a pin oak to clean out dead wood of a thick you know and Corey had been stacking a bird nest in there for me to climb into and clear out. So if, if even that can change your mood, I think that's a guarantee the climbing harness will change your mood. <laughs> that says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that one of your favorite trees, right, Jamie? Yeah. I, I learned to like climbing them when I 
worked with you guys. Yeah. Because that's like when we got to pull out our harness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love climbing pin, pin oaks, you know, beautiful trees. Maybe the feeling that we're all talking about right now is why I do Canopy Watch. Uh, yes. I do Canopy Watch. You know, uh, we became a nonprofit this last year because I want to take more people into trees. And when I take someone who's never climbed before and they get, they get the harness on, they're nervous. But when they get their feet off the ground, they feel good about life too. And I love sharing that feeling with someone who's never climbed a tree before. Maybe they're not going to climb a tree again, but that one experience they're going to remember. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Um, speaking of Canopy Watch, you guys were just down in Colombia, am I right? We were in Colombia, South America in August, and it was one heck of a good experience all around. Yeah. We were doing our, uh, we try and do it annually, uh, an international training called Discovering the Canopy for biologists and young conservationists from anywhere in Latin America. And uh, so this was our second one in uh, the Rio Claro Nature Reserve in Colombia. We had 20 people that we selected from 78 applications. Wow. We had a hoot. Oh, man. And what's really noteworthy is that a lot of people are going to recognize the name Kevin Bingham. He invented the rope wrench and the quickie and some other devices. So he was one of our trainers and Noel Rodriguez, who's in the Pacific Northwest, Portland and Seattle. He was one of our trainers. It's a great guy. Good friend. I've known him through competitions and yeah, he, he is awesome. He has a real good charisma and he cares about people. And, you know, even though he's from Mexico, you know, born and raised in Mexico, uh, to take him to Colombia and participate in this training, he said it just changed his perspective on climbing too. It was such a new experience for Noel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we talked to Kevin a little bit about it. He was on a couple episodes ago, and he absolutely loved it. He he was you know just talking about how much fun he had. Uh, but I'm interested to kind of get your perspective on the whole event. And uh, yeah, what I guess. Take us through the event. What what was going on? What was the goal? What were what was your day to day like? Yeah, the the course is about five and a half days. The students, the instructors get a, uh, arrive a couple of days early because we have to scout the trees, make sure we've got the trees that we need, kind of scope out the assignments. You know who's going to be in which tree and what our different roles are going to be. And the students arrive on a Sunday afternoon for the first session, where we introduce everyone. Uh, we give them a knot practicum. So we assign knots for them to learn before they get down there. And we tell them they're going to have an exam on Sunday night. They're so mm. nervous. You have these, <laughs> these kids who are anywhere from 20 to 35 years old. And you tell them, okay, you've got, we give them a list of knots. You got to tie these knots in front of your instructor and the panic that ensues, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's the white coat syndrome. They've got to, they've got to perform, but day, day to day, we get, you know, the, the, we started around 7.30. We climb until 5 o'clock. We teach them. Most of, these, most of these students are beginners. They have Most of them have never been on a rope before, and almost even the few that have been on rope have never been on a rope in a tree. So we've got to take these total beginners and get them to be confident climbers by the end of the week. And so we teach them all day long. We oftentimes have a night session. We eat all our meals together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and we're climbing in these tropical trees by a green river with this, this really majestic, beautiful, magical forest that's on the other side of the river. There's uh, Saba trees on the other side that look like, you know, Jurassic Park type humongous trees just draped with vines and orchids and all kinds of beautiful plants. And we got to day by day, we take we just build their confidence in themselves, in the equipment, in the instructors. Until by the end of the week, you know, they're flying around the trees. And, and one, one good example is, uh, is one of our climbers was named uh, Luis Miguel Tobon. And Luis, uh, I have a photo of him on a Wednesday where he's sitting on a branch and he's like, 
he's sitting on a horizontal branch and in each hand he's clutching another branch like with like with white knuckles yeah. <laughs> been there yeah but i got a i've got a photo of him one day later and he's taken a big swing through the canopy awesome because awesome. we got his we got his confidence up we taught him you know that he could trust the equipment and in 24 hours he went from like holding on to these branches to taking this big controlled swing and and that's a beautiful thing to see uh, uh i believe we're changing lives we do this to change careers we do this to rewrite conservation history in latin america because there's very few uh n- native residents of those countries who ever get to off the ground into the canopy to work but we change their lives when they see a new perspective uh, one of the climbers named Mateo, he said, it's amazing when you get into the, up into the tops of the trees, you realize there's a forest above the forest Mm. and you can do many incredible things, you know, in the top of a tree. Uh, And to hear that, I think we're changing people's lives and it feels really good. Yeah. That's awesome. So I kind of want to know more about the steps, like that you take to get them to where they're not white knuckling a branch where they're swinging around confidently. So you start with the knot test. What are those knots? What's the exam? We get the exam. <laughs> we, we give them some basic knots in, in one week. There's not enough time to learn a lot of knots and we don't want them confused. We don't want them confusing some knots and so that they get them wrong later. Yeah. So, you know, like a, a basic fridge, friction hitch might be a distal mm-hmm. uh we teach them a figure eight and several varieties of a figure eight you know that you can use a figure eight as a stopper knot you can use it to tie a figure eight on a bite and you can do a lot of things with that um what are some of the other knots uh, a blake's hitch a clove hitch you know tied at the end of the rope or tied in the middle around you know an object for sending stuff up and down the tree what else uh, you know we teach them how to Every, everything you can imagine that an arborist needs, like a basic, a basic arborist skills, how to set lines in a tree, how to install a, a rope wrench system on a rope, how a moving rope system works, how you can use the two stationary rope and a moving rope system in a tree for access mm-hmm. and lateral movement. But, you know, there's, there's a chemistry that we build. It's not so much the steps, it's the chemistry that we build. And we've, we've learned how to to grow trust from strangers. I mean, they have to trust us and they have to trust that, you know, we trust them and that we've got our eyes on them. That's what really transformed the group. It's a lot of enthusiasm, you know, um, and Noel, I, I love the energy that Noel and Kevin brought. They were two new instructors, but Noel has got this youthful sort of exuberant, you know, just joy in the trees I mean, the guy is a, a total kick-ass arborist. I mean, he's just top-notch, top-notch yeah. competitive. But you, he gets on a rope, and he just turns into this playful, you know, child. And uh, and he just goofs around, but he's also got this kind of mature enthusiasm that he's a, he's a life coach. He was a life coach to the students. Um, we were swimming in the river one day. Uh, the river was high, and it was, it was raging down out of the mountains, and we had about two days without rain and it calmed down enough to swim and everybody was in the river. And Noel realized, you know, there's some people who are kind of being unsafe and crazy out there jumping off of rocks. And he didn't go out and lecture them like, be careful. You know, you can't hurt yourself. But he kept an eye on them. He showed them some safe behaviors and he made sure that no one broke any bones out in the river. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was that kind of mature youthful curiosity that really helped Noel bond with the students. And then I've got some videos of uh, Kevin Bingham, you know, rope swinging uh, into the river, you know, splashing. It's Kevin is a, a great human being. I knew that that's why we invited him down there because I had the sense that he was a great human being, but he took his wife and his three daughters, three tiny little girls, which at the beginning kind of made me nervous. Like I don't want them to get sick or hurt. And Kevin is an, awesome dad mm-hmm. yeah. kevin is an awesome dad and and that quality of being an awesome dad meant he was an awesome meant that he was an awesome dad to the students and they really looked up to kevin oh that's great that's great um where uh, 
the students, what, where are they using these skills that you uh, are teaching them? There are a lot of needs for these skills. We teach them total canopy access. And we have, uh, we had a student from Ecuador who is harvesting seeds from endangered trees for reforestation projects. And he didn't, he didn't have any equipment. He didn't know how to climb a tree, but by the end of the week, he can go anywhere and capture the seeds from the top of a tree. And uh, let's say we have uh, a guy who founded his own project called the large raptors of Columbia. And he's climbing into Eagle nests all over Columbia to study uh, harpy Eagles and crested Eagles and different types of birds. And he's got a phenomenal uh, presence on social media. If you look him up on uh, Instagram, it's PRG underscore Columbia. Yeah. PRG underscore Columbia. And his name is Mateo Giraldo. Um, We have, uh, we had a, we had a student who wants to study the growth of trees. And, you know, oftentimes you're studying the tree as some biological organism, and it's only what you can reach. It's like hand high. And she wants to break that mold and get into the top of the tree and understand how they grow. And she was so much fun. She was from Peru. Her name was Gabby from Peru. And she was, you know, Peruvians can be kind of on the small side of things. And she, we had to buy her a child's helmet (laughs) because none of the regular like arborist helmets fit her. Uh So we bought her a, a literally a children's helmet, and uh, but boy, did she have a, a blast! And uh, what else? Uh, oh man, Luis! So I told you about Luis, the guy who was white knuckling the branches. Yeah, yeah. About two, maybe three weeks after the course, he went with Mateo, who I mentioned studying the raptors, and Luis Felipe uh, Barrera, who is our our partner organizer from Colombia. They went to this really remote rainforest in Colombia. And Luis wanted to study uh, for his master's degree uh, amphibians uh, in the rainforest canopy. So this is really cool. I don't have a photo of this, but I got to get a photo. He climbs up into a tree. I was told it was 25 meters. So we're going to say 75 feet. And he takes a tank bromeliad. A tank bromeliad is this uh, uh, a plant. It looks kind of like a pineapple with those leaves that grow upwards. Mm-hmm. And they trap a lot of water. And his advisor said, this is hopeless. You're not going to find anything living in those plants. It's not going to work. And he brings this plant down to the ground so that he can take it apart one leaf at a time. You guys, guess what he found living in this bromeliad? What? Take a guess. I'm just going to say. A tadpole. A A tadpole. tadpole. Really? (laughs) That's wow. That's crazy. A a frog. Yeah. Little tree frog. A tree frog, a frog is laying eggs in the little pools of water inside this plant. And like wow. each little pool is enough habitat to grow a tadpole. Wow. And then they, eat, they eat mosquito larvae and yeah. whatever else is swimming in there. And this 75 feet up in the air. And it stays wet enough, long enough to have the mosquito larvae to feed the tadpole for the frog to know that it can go to that plant and that plant's going to have the water and it create an, that's, that's kind of mind blowing to think about ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally mind blowing. It's a little micro ecosystem in a bigger ecosystem. Yeah. Oh, well it's a micro ecosystem within a micro ecosystem. Cause like the tree itself is its own little ecosystem. And then within that ecosystem, there's another little ecosystem. You know? out it's just one big fractal. Yeah. yeah it's like the, a Russian doll of. <laughs> yeah. So our students do all kinds of things. And we, we also had one student who works at a university in Columbia. Uh, he's a producer of audiovisual material and he wanted to learn how to climb so that he could do documentaries from the tops of trees. And his first, his first project was in uh, the top of a botanical garden in Medellin, Colombia. Oh. And, uh, so he needed to get into the top of the tree. And, you know, that's, that's impactful. When people see those audiovisual images that he produces, that creates awareness. And awareness is a fundamental tool for conservation. Yeah, he's an ambassador for the forest he becomes an ambassador for the forest to tell the stories of, you know, Luis and Mateo and Gabby and everybody else. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Have you, uh, do you hear back from your old students? Do they kind of catch you up on what they've been doing? And 
Yeah, we maintain a WhatsApp group from every graduating class. And the WhatsApp group is a little brotherhood yeah. where we can trade stories about what we did in the trees that day. Um, they can ask questions like they can post a photo. Did I tie this knot correctly? I just learned how to tie this knot. Is it right? Or, hey, what do you think of this, uh, you know, canopy anchor or, you know, or how we had a we had a discussion that went on. I must have had 74 different uh, responses in the WhatsApp group on how to oil a carabiner. Oh, that's great. That. That is really cool. What started out as you just trying to help these people get into the canopy has now become a community in and of itself that is kind of self-feeding itself with knowledge and, you know, getting better that in a way that only groups can, you know, yeah. through that, through that peer mentorship. And, oh, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'll tell you a couple of fun stories from Columbia. If you want to hear a couple of just goofy stories of how we taught the students and things that like Noel thought of and stuff. Oh Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Let's hear them. So um, I've had a problem in the past. It's really hot down there and you sweat if you're wearing safety glasses. So we try and wear visors, you know, and students forget they leave their visor up where they say it's too sweaty. So this time we bought a carton of eggs and the students uh, they had in groups, they had to grab an egg and they would put safety glasses on the egg and then try and poke the eye, you know, the egg was an eye. Yeah. <laughs> they tried to poke the eye out with the glasses on, and they would say, This is my eye with safety protection. Oh, it's it's safe. And then they would take the glasses off and they'd ram the stick into the eye and get egg yolk all over the <laughs> And they'd say, This is my eye without safety protection. And you know what? I never had a problem all week long after that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that sends a message. <laughs> just need that visualization, that's all. Mm. And then, and Noel being, you know, like the consummate, you know, uh, I don't know, entertainer, he grabbed a ripe papaya and he, and he put a helmet on the papaya oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he jabs the helmet with a stick. And he says, you know, like I'm today, I'm safe. You know, I've got this, I've got this helmet on and it protects my head, but then he takes the helmet off and he says, you know, but maybe I spent all my money on, on alcohol and I don't think I need a you know, a helmet because I'm too macho. And then he plunges a stick into this ripe papaya and then he holds it up and he shows everyone. He says, this is your head without a helmet. The lesson was learned. The lesson was learned right then. That's great. Oh, that's hilarious. But, uh, another one that Noel did is um, we had, our climbing site was next to a river and there was a tree that was growing out over the river and it was a really small tree. You couldn't really climb the tree not i mean it was just puny you'd fall into the water if you lost your footing so noel climbs one of our climbing our teaching trees and you have to climb up and you have to put in a redirect so that you can gain some lateral movement you know and some distance and then you come down out of the the, the main tree and you kind of rappel into the small tree over the river and he installed a hammock Oh, cool. Nice. And the hammock was the ultimate temptation because everyone wanted to sit in the hammock. And to get into the oh. hammock, you have to climb the first tree, put in a redirect, come down, and then sit in a second tree, a totally different tree, and then you could sit in the hammock. Oh, that's so cool. That's, awesome. that's such good motivation yeah. and like a way to teach movement in the canopy. That's awesome. Because there's a motivating factor. Yeah. There's something fun on the other end. It's, you know, it's not just a lesson like, hey, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It, it adds a little element of competition also. You know, hey, I can do this. Can you do that? You know, and I think competition, yeah. a, a healthy amount of competition is great for learning. You know, a healthy amount of competition. And then uh, Kevin was kind of the voice of experience this year. You know, he's, I mean, who else is Kevin Bingham? There is no other Kevin Bingham. Yeah. And the students just, I don't want to say worshipped him, but they really looked up to Kevin. And he gave a demo one day on how to throw a throw bag. And it was the ultimate clinic on how to throw a throw bag. And, and I was impressed watching Kevin Bingham, seeing how, you know, his technique, you know, he's got a, a, an exact process that he uses every time that he that he throws a throw bag and he, and he doesn't bury, you know, he said he takes eight swings, mm -hmm. eight swings, one, two, three. And then he launches his whole body in this, like a spear up towards the target. And uh, there were so many students uh, imitating 
Kevin oh, nice. thing of the rest of the week. I always tell people when I'm teaching them throw ball is to find that rhythm. Like I think back to when I was in basketball in high school, being taught how to do free throws, you do the exact same thing every time. So say you walk up, you throw the ball, take two dribbles, a little shuffle of the feet and throw like you do that every single time. So I have the same thing and I always teach people that. I think it's huge. Yeah. What What was Becca saying that she sings happy she birthday? Sings happy birthday. In her head. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what a couple of, a couple of the things that some of the students said uh, after, after they, they left the course on the last day, on the last day, you know, students are crying. They're all, they're signing. We gave every student a copy of tree climbers companion in Spanish. And they wanted everyone's autograph in the book, like a yearbook. And they, uh, there was a course t-shirt and they wanted everyone to sign their t-shirt with a marker. And I, I take my phone and I take a microphone and I interview as many students and instructors as I can. And, um, the Nico was the student from Ecuador who needed to harvest seeds. And as he was leaving the hotel, I'm standing at the steps at the bottom of the, the hotel and he walks by me on his way to a taxi ride. And he says, this was the best experience of my life. Hmm. And I didn't ask him. I didn't solicit that. He wasn't performing for me. He was just walking towards the taxi and he looks at me and he says, this was the best experience of my life. Wow. That's me. And then uh, Gabriela was, is a student from uh, Colombia. And we were sitting at the table and I said, Gabriela, you know, all of this is in Spanish. And I said, Gabriela, uh, tell me your name. Tell me what country you're from, where we are, and how this course impacted you. What change did it have in you? And this is, this is one of the most beautiful moments ever. She goes, my name is Gabriela. I'm from Colombia. We're at the Rio Claro Nature Reserve. And then she breaks down crying. <laughs> She breaks down crying and I like, I comfort her. It was so, it was such a special moment. I hope, you know, one day if I'm like going through my memories on my deathbed, I want that one to be there. If I've forgotten a lot of things, I want that one to be there. So she's crying and then she composes herself and I'm probably going to cry too. And she said, um, uh, how did she say it? Something like this course taught me to conquer my fears rather than being afraid in the tree. I can overcome my fear and I can confront obstacles, whether it's in light, whether it's in tree climbing or in real life and nothing's going to hold me back. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. That's amazing. You know, tree climbing and getting up into the canopy challenges you on such a primal level, you know, cause you really are facing, I mean, for a lot of people who haven't faced fear or faced a life or death situation, this might be the first time they're experiencing that. And I really also think there's just something primal about being in a tree. I mean, that's for millions of years, we were in trees before we came down, you know, and there's some like echo or shadow in our DNA of that because everybody I know, it speaks to them on such a, you know, I mean, when we were climbing those big firs, when we first met and Malia was going up, she, I mean, we would go up 10 feet and then she would break down and start crying and facing these, you know, these fears of being in the height. And, but she also wanted to make it to that canopy and wanted to achieve getting into the canopy. And so it's this, you know, it's this spot where you're forced to face, if you want to achieve your goals, you're forced to face this real fear. And that is so powerful. And that if you can do that, then you can do that in all these different ways in life. So it really reprograms you as a person. Well said, well said. And, you know, in, in our country, uh, a lot of us really don't know fear on a regular basis. We live a pretty comfortable life, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in our homes and we go to school and we go to work and we go to the store and we don't really know fear. And when, when you confront, front fear like you say in that primal way it's like whoa i'm afraid but i'm okay yeah and then you come down and the next day you're afraid of something but you say hey i was okay in the tree i didn't die i made it yeah i'm okay i'm ready courage excuse me courage isn't a lack of fear it's just the ability to control it yeah yeah it's what you do when you're afraid 
not if you're afraid. Yep. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a great okay. quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of tree climbers have that, you know, you you develop a relationship with fear. And so, you know, you kind of learn that quote, maybe not word for word, but you learn the meaning of it. You learn what that means to your soul to to be able to conquer fear and to you know, really go through a decision-making process in the face of fear. You know, you're, you're able to get this rush of emotion and these, you know, hormones that enter your brain and cause this physical response that freezes up a lot of people. And when you're a tree climber, and I think it works for a lot of arborists also, when you're doing crazy things, sending big tops and doing all this crazy stuff, then you, you learn how to, uh, not forget the fear, but kind of put it in the back of your mind and still be able to process your, th- you know, still be able to work through your thought process with fear. You know, it, it kind of changes the way you look at the world and approach those situations. Well, it's very controlled. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're, you're, in a, yeah, uh, not you're, reactive. You're very, yeah. yeah, you're, you're very afraid, but in a very controlled environment, right? That would be, otherwise, that would cause trauma. But when, yeah. when you're doing it in a very controlled environment, you're actually, you know, you're learning, you're, you're creating ner- new neural pathways that tell you that this is okay. Yeah. And then you can use that the next time and you can use that the next time and it just gets better and better each time. Yeah. It's a tool that you can use when faced with fear. That's a good one. That's, that's, yeah. What uh, Eric and Andrew just said, you know, th- there's like two kind of extreme reactions to fear. One is panic and one is control. Yeah. And when you're in a tree, there's no room for panic. Yeah. And so the only option is control yep. and to, ma- to manage the situation. You can manage your fear by just talking yourself into a calm place, but you also have to manage the situation. Like, okay, I've got a saw, this branch, you know, it fell in the wrong spot. Now what? Okay. Do I panic or do I manage it? And then you get out of the tree and next day something's going wrong in traffic and you're like, I'm not going to panic. I'm going to manage it. Yeah. And you don't get scared of fear and yeah. not in the same way, you know, when you're climbing big trees on a regular basis, at least for me personally, I know when I'm go- going way up a big tree, I'm going to feel fear. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's more just, this is part of the process of what I'm about to do. And I'm, I'm not going to let it control me, but I'm going to control it to achieve the goals that I've set for myself. Yeah. I always yep. get clients ask you like, aren't you afraid of heights? Or you must not be afraid of heights or whatever. I'm like, no, I respect heights. I think yeah. that's always my answer to it. Yeah. You know? I, if fear is there, I'm never going to say, no, I'm not afraid of heights. I always tell people I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm terrified of falling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's funny because, you know, when I was younger, I'd go out with all my buddies that weren't tree climbers, all my friends from high school. And we'd go, you know, to spots where you can jump off big rocks and they'd all jump off these giant rocks into the water. And I'd be like, I don't want anything to do with any of that. And they'd be like, come on, dude, you climb trees all the time. You, you know, I want to see you jump off the tallest one. And I'm like, no, I'll, you know, I'll go up 15, 20 feet. And that's kind of fun and exciting. But once you start getting way up there, I want nothing to do with it. You know what? You guys look like you're having fun and keep it up. I'll be right down here. If anything goes wrong, I'll come pull you out of the water. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> you pulled your black, you pulled your back climbing a tree, right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. 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 Muscle sprain. Yeah, yeah. No. you can always fall back on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. How how long have you been going uh, down to Columbia and doing these trainings? The first one, the first training was in 2016 in Costa Rica. Okay. And then uh, 2017 was Colombia. 2018 was Honduras, uh, 2019 was Colombia, 2020 doesn't count, and 2021 was Colombia. <laughs> okay. Do you, are, when you go back to Colombia or Honduras, are you going to the same spot or are you going to different locations every time you go on these adventures? Uh, we've done three of these events in Colombia and we've done them in two places. Okay. We've got a, an ecological reserve with an eco lodge and uh, it works really well for our purposes. So we've done the last two at that site. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You probably get uh, starting to build real good relationships with the people that run the the places that you keep going back to. Yeah. 
uh, it's nice to see familiar faces and it's nice to be welcomed back. It's nice to go really far from home and see people that you know and be treated like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Home away from home. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that uh, building bridges makes the world a better place. It's not so big. It's not so un scary or unfriendly when you've got friends everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your future plans with Canopy Watch? What you got brewing? Uh, well, I'm not going to drop any names, but we're, we're recruiting um, board members. Oh, cool. And so we have some really interesting people on our horizon and, you know, let's, let's see what happens in about six months. If any of them have landed on the board of directors, Nice. but um, I want to do some trainings at uh, biological field stations in Latin America. So there's, you go to Costa Rica, Colombia, Peru, and there'll be a field station in the forest where scientists go to do research or tourists can go to visit. I'd like to do some trainings there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the ISA has an international conference in Sweden next year. Oh. And uh, you can apply. You guys can apply. Anyone who's listening can apply to give a talk. And I'm thinking I should apply to give a talk in Sweden. That oh, yeah, cool. for that sure. That cool. would be very cool. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Yeah. Right on. So and uh, we're going to start doing adaptive sports. So I, I was able to get some equipment donated to take climbers with disabilities into the tops of trees. Oh, cool. And I've got, a, I've got this young woman who was just about to climb with us when um, – COVID got really bad uh, in late September in Idaho. And her doctor just said, you've got to stay home. You can't be, you can't be doing crazy things with strangers. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, she has a, a, a disability that makes it hard for her to walk. And she has a couple of walkers, you know, like your regular metal walker, but she's also got this fancy, almost like a space bicycle type electric vehicle, uh, you know, walker scooter. Um, but I realized she's got enough strength in her legs and enough strength in her upper body that uh, I picked out a tree that's really perfect where the fall of the rope will come down across a really big wide branch in an oak tree. And I can get her to walk down a branch that's 30 feet off the ground. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Now imagine someone who's challenged to walk across a parking lot and I want to get her to walk down a branch that's 30 feet in the air. Uh, that yeah. will be transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. So I've, I've, you know, seen that you do, I've seen you take people climbing in, you know, in Boise. Do you do other events in the United States or, or is that just kind of like neighborhood events that you're, you're kind of doing locally or. You know, um, I want to start getting farther away from Boise mm -hmm. and I'm talking with, uh, there's a Japanese tradition called nature bathing where you almost have a guided meditation in nature where you take a short walk. And you focus your attention on minute details like the texture of the bark of a tree or the smell of the needles. And uh, it's a very deep tradition in Japan. And I would like to start doing that in treetops. Okay. Because I, I think that the focus that you get when you're on a rope and you're concentrating on your movements and you have a different perspective on the world that you've never had before and time slows down into that kind of a Zen time would be really compatible with this, with this nature forest bathing. And so I'm going to see if we can do that yeah. uh, this year. Yeah. We've, we've been talking about doing some trainings and some climbings uh, here. We, you know, we've done some with some kind of friends uh, just locally, but we're going to have to connect uh, offline and, and talk about how we can get together. And I'd love to, one, just do another rec climb with you sometime. But I think it could be fun to do a little collab on a on some kind of training as well. Yeah, on a training would be good. And, you know, if someone doesn't value something, they're not going to try and protect it. Yeah. And in our, our lives are getting increasingly hurried. Cities are getting bigger. More people live in cities. We've got social media, electronic distractions all the time. And if we can take people into the tops of, of trees and get them to slow down and appreciate a tree, then I think that the next time 
a tree's maybe they have a choice, you know, we've got this tree in our yard and do I cut it down or do I, do I have it trimmed in a way that'll preserve its health? Mm -hmm. If they've had that treetop experience, they're more likely to say, you know what, I'm going to save this tree. I really like the shade. I like the colors of the leaves. If they haven't had that experience, it might just, the tree might just be a nuisance. Yeah. 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 They'll see it for more than just this green static structure that's dropping yeah. leaves all over their roof and gutters and stuff. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seems like there's more of a more and more of a disconnect all the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. between some of the younger generations and and just generally getting out in nature and appreciating things. I mean, that's that's definitely a trend I think that we're we're seeing, and it's good to to reverse that and turn that around for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, we people. we talked about it last time you were on. We were talking about getting politicians into trees and people that make decisions. I think we talked about it on the podcast. I know we've talked yeah. about it uh, just talking off off of the uh, podcast, but uh, that that's something we, we've well accomplished some since we last talked about it. Uh, I know Eric kind of spearheaded a lot of that with our city. Yeah, yeah. We recently got our mayor and a handful of city councilors up into a tree, uh, actually a couple trees, some really nice uh, dug firs that we're – Gosh, we measured those. Were they 175? 175, yeah. 175, 165. Yeah, 165, 175 feet tall right in town. Uh, really, really was a lot of fun. And we had some other folks that joined us as well. We had, um, uh, there was a, an intern for the city uh, and uh, Jeff Kruger, one of our uh, uh, friends, and he's a, a, a contractor for the city. Uh, he does uh, all sorts of report writing. He's got a kind of an environmental uh, uh, reporting type uh, business. He's a consultant rather, excuse me. Um, so yeah, we had a handful of folks up there. It was really great. I think we really, uh, you know, changed their perspective and, uh, you know, just cut them up into some amazing trees. I mean, they had a blast. It was, it was really, really a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. And they all came down like everybody does when, when they're not used to being up in a big tree and it's just like, Oh my God, it's a different world up there. I've never seen the, you know, a tree like that and talk, you know, people start talking about it as if it, it's a living entity rather than as if it's a piece of infrastructure after, <laughs> after they get up into it, you know, really it's hard to get up there and not realize, wait a second, this is, this is a being, you know, absolutely. <laughs> or critical so infrastructure. You, if it is just infrastructure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Do you have some advice on how we can get civic leaders in other cities, like in Boise where I live or other, other cities to do this? Is there, uh, are there some steps or is there a procedure or, you know, how do we motivate people, our, our civic elected leaders to do this? Well, uh, you know, in our case, we had, um, we have uh, a situation here in Eugene where we know that we have a, a rapidly diminishing canopy cover, right? And so that's a problem. And uh, our, our group has really transformed in the last few years. We're, we're trying a lot of new things. We're, we're um, kind of improving the services that we offer. Uh, to the community. And, and so word has gotten out. So actually city council had invited us to, to come speak in front of them and just talk about the program, which is great. We were really excited to do that. But, you know, we always look at that as an opportunity to really, yeah, we want to talk about the good things that we're doing, but we really wanted to get our challenges in front of them as well. Right. That's, that was really the important part. You don't want to just talk about the, the fun stuff, the positive stuff. You, you know, you really need to let folks know why mm -hmm. these trees are important and why it's important to uh, conserve them. And in our case, you know, we, we're losing canopy cover at a very fast rate. I mean, Eugene has a, a, a substandard canopy cover to begin with. We're only at about 22%, um, which wow. is very low. I mean, the, really the target for most cities would be 30%. And some cities like Atlanta have up to around 60% canopy cover, which is amazing. I mean, it really wow. is a, a big city within a forest. Yeah. Right. And, and, and most people don't realize that they, they come to Eugene and they see trees everywhere. Right. But that we also have a lot of, you know, a lot of industrial area, but we also have a lot of wetlands, too, that, that need to remain that way. But that, that's kind of an aside for now. Um, however, so when we had this council presentation, we we talked about the diminishing canopy cover. And that was really um, surprising for a lot of folks. It was really uh, and not in a good way. And it was very surprising that we had a substandard canopy cover. You know, when you think about it, New York City actually has a higher canopy cover than Eugene, Oregon. That's unbelievable. Detroit, Michigan, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm, I'm from just outside of Cincinnati. I grew up in Middletown, Ohio. And, and you know, Cincinnati is not a, a, a 
forested city in my mind at all. And it's shocking that, that Cincinnati has a higher canopy cover than Eugene. So that's well, so now part of that is that, you know, people that uh, don't know Eugene probably don't understand that a big portion of Eugene is a natural wetlands. Yep. So it, you know, naturally it's not a forest. So, uh, you know, part of, part of that is, trying to kind of remake an area that wouldn't naturally have a lot of trees and put trees in there where if your city's in a spot where there already was a lot of trees, hopefully you'd have more canopy cover in it. And then the other thing is what we lost, we lost a few percent in in the last couple ice storms. We've, we've over in the last, what, five, six years, we've had a couple big storms mm-hmm. that knocked us down a few percent. Yeah. And, and just growing, I mean, honestly, the, um, you know, the, probably the, the biggest single factor would be, of course, development. I mean, that's that's the other piece, too. You know, we're, uh, a lot of big trees in Eugene are being removed, and a lot of the kind of the South Hills, which is the more forested area, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, new homes that, that go in there, and we see a lot of uh, a lot of tree removal uh, due to that. But, uh, again, we're kind of getting, I think, down down a tangent here. But, uh, anyhow, so at that, that meeting, uh, you know, they invited us to, or we invited them to go up into a tree with us and they surprisingly took us up on it. It was awesome. Uh, you know, it's a big time commitment for folks that are really busy. You know, it was basically a full day. Uh, we, we spread the event out over two days, but you know, you're, you're spending the better part of the day to get up there with us. So I was really happy that they took the time, took the time to do it. Um, and yeah, we, we went, we cleaned the trees out, we got them all rigged up. Um, and they were just, it was great. There were these two magnificent fir trees that were probably maybe 50 feet. I don't know how far away, 50, 60 feet away from each other, maybe. Yeah. If that yeah. 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 It, maybe even closer. I mean, they weren't very far away, you yeah. know, I'd say 40, 50 feet. 40, yeah, 50 feet. It's hard to say, but yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of getting back to his question of how do we get yeah. them up there? I'm one, we have the advantage that. Yeah, you know, we we're part of Eugene Urban Forestry, right? You know, uh, Eric's the supervisor for Urban Forestry, so he can send some emails and they'll be listened to on a different level oh. than <laughs> than a lot of people would. But I think the answer is build a relationship with Urban Forestry within your city. You know, because any Urban Forestry program is going to be stoked if you have if they have somebody that's trained and has experience climbing that wants to help promote their program Mm -hmm. so i think kind of uh making relationships with people that can help you reach out to the local officials you know and hey we're all humans find people that are going to benefit from getting the local officials up into the trees and they're also going to be probably the same people in our case that had access to the trees that the uh local officials wanted to climb you know they want to see the tr- you know the city that they take care of and the trees that are you know part of our city so you know i think building those relationships it's like anything you build relationships with the right people that can that are going to benefit from you helping them help their program okay i've got to think of who my messenger is so i can send those signals into the city council for example yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Hmm. I'm trying to think, you know, if Eric, you know, you're in a position, how would, how would someone reach out to you in a way that you would listen to them? You know what I mean? As far as someone contacting you saying like, Hey, I want to help the urban forest. I think I can do that by helping facilitate these climbs. What, what does that look like in a successful communication to you? I mean, it's something that we do, yeah. so, you know, you sure. might not need it, but what advice would you have to somebody that's reaching out to an urban forestry program? You know, it's a um, good question. So I, in a situation like that, I mean, I, I think probably the, the best thing you could do is just to start to facilitate that conversation. Yeah. Right. So start, uh, you know, getting in your counselor's ears, getting in the mayor's ears or, you know, whoever, whoever you're trying to uh, convince, you know, just just start facilitating those conversations. And just, you know, what we did, we tried to talk about really why trees are important. Yeah. Right. That, that was 
really what we were trying to convey. And it sometimes helps to quantify and even place it in terms of, of monetary value, right? What kind of, uh, so in, in other words, hmm. the monetize these ecological benefits, because sometimes that's what decision makers who have to work around budgets, right? They, that's, that's language that they can understand. You know, we know that we're getting, you know, approximately $5 million worth of ecological benefits from Eugene's urban forest every year. And that's, that's a quantifiable number, right? And so when you start talking in those terms, uh, they, mm. they start to understand it. You know, you can start to talk about the, um, you, you know, trees can be a fairly simple solution to some of our complex urban problems, like things like the urban heat island effect. Um, you know, obviously just uh, things like we, we had a heat dome this year here for the first yeah. time. I mean, it was this crazy hot spell that we got in June and, and there's a noticeable difference. You know, um, when you're underneath the canopy of big trees and it's 115 degrees out, that's wow. noticeably different than being in a parking lot somewhere, right? And these things these things play into how cities work. I, um, you know, we talk a lot about green infrastructure, and and we talk about trees being infrastructure, and that sounds really cold because a lot of folks have you know strong personal attachments to trees. But I'm actually really happy that trees are being looked at as infrastructure because now they're functional. They're not just aesthetic. They're not just jewelry for your front yard, right? So you start talking in terms like this. Well, what can what can green infrastructure do for your city? How can it improve um, the, just the general health of the population, both physical and mental? You know, what are the what are the benefits that you can really get? And when you start talking that language, now that now you've kind of got their ear, you've, you've you've got you've piqued their interest, and you can start making the connections, right? Once once you've got their attention, once. Once you've got their, uh, once you're uh, speaking their language, speaking their yeah. language, it's like, Hey, why don't you come out and enjoy this with us? And, and you know what? Maybe it's not even climbing a tree. Maybe it's getting out there and just planting a tree or structurally pruning a small tree. But if you can get them up into a tree that usually, uh, you know, you just, you've got them hooked at that point. Um, I mean, we've been talking about it here. It's, it kind of changes somebody's life a little bit. And when that's not something you do regularly <clears throat> and you go out and you climb some big, amazing tree, you know, the mayor was at the top of a 175 foot tree. She could see the entire city. Yeah, I mean, we're looking down at, at just all the icons. You know, you can see uh, uh, Skinner's Butte. You can see Spencer's Butte. You can see uh, uh, Autzen Stadium. You know, just everything. The U uh, at the U of O, the new Hayward uh, track. I mean, just everything is is right there in your perspective. I mean, you're it's it's just this eagle eyes view of the city. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, the tree speaks for itself. When you get someone up there, you just have to get them. You have to get them there, but then the tree speaks for itself. Exactly. Well, and what I'm thinking is it depends on who you're talking to. Yep. Because some urban forestry supervisors, they might have a, a lot of experience climbing trees, and it might not be hard to convince them that this is a great way to benefit their program if the counselors and mayors are in the trees. You also might run into a supervisor that doesn't have a lot of time in the tree. So your best play might be to offer to take them up a tree. So you can help kind of enlighten them with that gift of getting into the canopy if they haven't, you know, because they might be a, uh, you know, urban forestry supervisor, you know, and gotten there as kind of on a political route rather than a work your way up from the field crew into that role. You know, so it might be a way to do it also is offer to take the urban forester up into a tree, show him what he's got. And then once you build that relationship, you could say, hey, wasn't this amazing? We could do this with a city councilor. We could do this with the mayor. We could do this with the fire chief. And that might be, you know, if you just say, hey, I want to take the mayor climbing. How can we do that? They might be like, hey, yeah, we're not, I'm not going to be taking a mayor up into the tree. Sorry. <laughs> but, but if you show them what you're actually talking about, if they haven't experienced that, then they're not picturing what you're picturing when you say, I want to take the mayor up into a tree. You know? <laughs> You've shifted their perspective and they're looking at it from a completely different lens at that point. Mm -hmm. Very good. It yeah. doesn't always work though. I'm going to tell a quick funny story here. Uh, about 10 years ago, uh, <laughs> working with the city of Eugene, we teamed up with the recreation department and uh, Willamette National Forest, uh, city of Eugene, and uh, I forget what other organization, one more organization was involved, involved, but we got this grant to take at-risk youth up into the old growth forest outside of Eugene, up in Fall Creek area. And, you know, they're really, really nice trees, very similar to the one that, that we climbed up there. Uh, not quite as big, but still just a really magnificent tree. And 
So anyhow, the, the Forest Service had sent uh, one of their rangers, and you know we got all the kids up the tree that day. I mean, they, they, it was like a whole busload of kids, I think from Salem, Oregon, that came down. So we got them all up there, and we had a little bit of time at the end of the day, so we offered to take the Forest Service uh, ranger up the tree and uh, got him up to the top. Actually, he couldn't quite make it all the way to the top, but we got him up pretty close to the top, and he goes, huh. I could have got the same view from that landing up the road. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. You are kidding me. That's what you've got to say about this. So it doesn't always work. You're not always going to impress people, but wow. most of the time that doesn't happen. That was pretty, pretty sad to hear from a forest service employee. <laughs> that sounds like somebody that was out to prove something. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's one of the people that doesn't have uh, control of fear and their, yep. you know I mean? Their own mind. Yep. They, they're trying to, let their ego do the talking. <laughs> I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but you know, we took probably 20 kids up to the top of the tree and, and everybody made it, but him. So I think he was feeling a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, trying, trying to oh. down, downplay the experience. Downplay yeah. the experience. Yeah. Just to yeah. Downplay so it. Yeah, say, whatever. I can see this from up the road. You yeah. Know? It's when you say 90% uh, of the experience is in that next 10%. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, well, and uh, we got a pretty cool video that uh, Eric made from that experience. Uh, you know, I know Corey had a GoPro on his helmet, and Eric was up filming the whole time. You know, so we'll uh, we'll put that out on our social media. You know, put it on our YouTube, on our Facebook, and Instagram. So. If anybody wants to uh, show somebody, you know, if they if they want to reach out to an urban forester and say, hey, this is what I want to facilitate. Sometimes having that video, uh, sometimes that visual evidence goes a long way to showing uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, I would very much like a link to a, a video that's shared online somewhere that I can pass on to the city employees. I'll and make sure you perfect. get it. Yeah, we can send you one. Okay, yeah, I need that very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah put it to good use, please. Yeah, that's why uh, we made it, honestly, yeah. was because, you know, we hope that other people will see this and think, hey, what a great idea. Let's do it. So Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, the, the visual video experience tells a louder story sometimes than what we can say with our words. And they also get to watch that from the comfort of, of whatever safe space they're in without yeah. having a conversation with us maybe, or without having a meeting or without having to put it on their calendar, which is yeah. really full. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, okay. I've got five minutes. I want to watch this video. And so on that note, I want to say we filmed a really nice video from our Columbia training. Yeah. Okay. Good. And I'd like people to watch it because it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and the people that I mentioned, Mateo, Gabriela and, and uh, Nico are in there. And if you go to YouTube and look up the channel for Canopy Watch International and look for a video called Reach for the Sky, it'll move you. <laughs> it's, it's well worth it. Job. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Reach for the Sky. Yeah, that, that's a good video. I, I definitely enjoyed it when I saw I saw that and I was like, oh, yep, there's David up to his old tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Well, uh Anybody have anything else that is on their mind? No, I think we've we've covered we've gone from uh, Eugene <laughs> to Columbia and then we've back to Boise. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh final thoughts. Uh Jamie, what do you got final thoughts? Oh, you're starting with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Corey, <laughs> Corey, what do you got for final thoughts? Uh I guess just the just that impact and that like shift in perspective that people can get when they when they go to the top of a canopy or maybe change change the way that they look at something or look at something just a little bit differently. You know how how life changing that can really be, and you know how how trees really facilitate that when we really kind of just stop and take a minute and kind of like you were talking about, David, the the um, nature walk or the meditations in nature. Um, yeah, that's that's what really stuck with me as far as uh, final thoughts here, Eric. Get anybody up into a tree. It doesn't have to be an elected official. Uh, you know, you said it earlier that, that really awareness is such a huge component of conservation. And that's that's just, uh, you know, for all the arborists out there, whoever you are, just uh, get somebody up into a tree. 
Yeah, I guess I'll say it's something like uh, <clears throat> my boss was telling me, when you get to the top of the tree, take a minute and look around. Because uh, obviously I'm there to get a job done, so I forget a lot of times, but he just kind of told me that recently. So you get up there and, yeah, just, you know, get your stuff done, but take a minute <laughs> and actually look around. Breathe. You know, <laughs> you may be the only one who's taken in the view from that spot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I... I really think there's a lot of power in kind of what we were talking about, about not, not controlling, well, controlling your fear and mastering your fear and kind of evolving, you know, your approach to life through the challenges that come with climbing a tree. You know, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, David, what do you got? You know, uh, we talked about being in a harness and being in a tree is our happy place. And we're, we're people who do that regularly so we know that that's our happy place and we can go to work in the morning saying i'm going to put my harness on and i'm going to go to my happy place but i I think it's true for even the people who don't know who haven't been in a harness before you put them in a harness and you put them in a tree and they find this new happy place they didn't know that they had and you create this common bond from a shared experience delivering them to a place of happiness that that's new to them yeah And that is a gift. If you can give that gift, like Eric says, give that gift to somebody, whether they're, whether they're a friend, a relative, your neighbor, maybe it's even someone that uh, you're having trouble, troubled relationship with. Maybe you're not getting along. Say, you know what, let's go do something because at the end of this, we're going to have something in common. Yeah. I think that's a great place to wrap it up right there. So I'm going to say, stay safe and Share your gift, man. Share that experience. It's good to see you, David. Take care. Yeah. <laughs>